Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Brought to you by Charity Mobile the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Last week, I reported on Francis, unfortunately, issuing a new document that smashes the nascent traditional movement among religious communities before it could even really get off the ground. Francis accomplished this by restricting the approval of formation of new lay and then religious orders to the purview of the Holy See exclusively. Bishops no longer have the freedom to decide what religious life will look like in their own dioceses in a naked rejection of Vatican II by Francis. For this presumed pontificate, Vatican II has come to mean whatever they want it to mean, which is fine since Vatican II has been an unmitigated disaster in the life of the Church. But now we have more details about what some of the underlying reasons are for why they are doing this. And it's not only about destroying the last vestiges of the preconciliar faith though that is a very big reason for it. Francis is doing his very best Henry VIII impersonation at this late stage of his reign over the church, and now he's enacting one of the English king's worst policies. Let's dive into this. I've been meaning to bring the story to you for the last couple of weeks, but Francis has been very busy implementing his demolition of the church. Part of that demolition project is right out of the English so-called Reformation. The Vatican has a real financial interest in closing down the most valuable monasteries, which are very often traditionalist monasteries. From Crisis Magazine, we get this headline, Pillaging the Monasteries, the Vatican's Hidden Financial Scandal. This was published on June 6th, and it's a very revealing piece on the hidden motivations for smashing traditional religious orders into dust. The author, Mary Cuff, begins by reminding us of Cardinal Betchew, who is facing the legal system for accusations of serious financial wrongdoing in the Roman Curia. One figure, Archbishop Carbayo, is likely involved but isn't facing the same scrutiny. You'll see why. From the article, quote, I am thinking particularly of the shameful silence that has descended upon the mysterious financial scandal swirling around Archbishop Jose Rodriguez Carballo, the Secretary for the Congregation for Institutes of Consecrated Life and Societies of Apostolic Life. There is a particular urgency for transparency regarding Carballo. In 2018, Carballo created Cor Orans, a new set of rules for female contemplative orders. Among other things, Cor Orans created an abattoir for monasteries to streamline their closure. In his regulations, these forcibly shuttered monastery assets can be claimed by a bureaucratic monastic federation, the diocese, and the Vatican. See Regulations 72 and 73 of Cor Orans. Since 2018, the number of monasteries forced to close has reached levels described by Sister Maria Johann Lauterbach, OCIST, as an extinction. Carbio has taken an active role in shuttering these monasteries globally and claimed for the Vatican use of what amounts to millions in euros in assets and property. Just this past December, Carbio gave the keynote address at a Parisian symposium dedicated to the topic of optimizing real estate for monasteries shuttered by Cor Orans specifically. 
Another headline speaker and organizer was Dom David de Hamonville, the emeritus abbot of the St. Benoit de Calcutta Abbey, which specializes in a huge hotel investment, end quote. So as it turns out, closing monasteries is a huge financial windfall for the Vatican. It's very, very lucrative, and it's lucrative for the federations that govern religious life, according to Cor Orans, which requires traditionalist abbeys to be ruled in a federation with novist ordo hypermodernist ones. All must follow the same rules. It's a little wonder that the extreme minority of religious orders faces closure when they're governed this way, especially when their highly valuable property is on the line. It's kind of like Cor Orans was written for this explicit purpose when you really think about it. It's such a lucrative system that Archbishop Carbio has given similar talks on how to profit from this with the aid of hotel real estate speculators. They're not even hiding what they're doing anymore. We're talking serious money here, folks. And the best or maybe worst part, many of the bishops are complicit in this. From the article, quote, Luxury hotels purchased from monastic assets seem to be a particular fixation of Carbio's, and one with a shameful legacy and deeply disturbing unanswered questions. While he was the minister general of the Friars Minor, Carbio approved the purchase and restoration of a Roman property that became Il Contico, a hotel so luxurious that an Italian newspaper called it a slap in the face to the spirit of St. Francis. The venue appears to be a frequent spot for the Italian bishops' conference, situated as it is within a stone's throw of Casa Santa Marta. As an aside, Casa Santa Marta is where Francis lives. The Friars Miners set the hotel up as a moneymaker for their charitable enterprises, but the hotel has helped lead to the order's financial ruin. Before a series of deaths led to a dismissal of the official police investigation, and the story dropped like a stone out of the news cycle, Il Cantico was the focal point of a mystery. What happened over 20 million euros of Friars Minor money? In 2018, Italian journalist Alberto Narazzini attempted to get some answers to that question and never got them. What he did piece together demands answers from Carbio, who has never satisfactorily explained his role in the gross financial mismanagement. It is especially urgent that Catholics demand an explanation, since he has spent the years since his 2013 appointment to the Curia seizing monastic property and advocating for the creation of more luxury real estate development in the name of charity. According to Narazzini's research, in 2007, Carbio, along with three regional Franciscan treasurers, Father Giancarlo Lati, Renato Bereda, Clemente Mariga, met with a rather mysterious broker named Leonide Rossi, who seemingly was involved in massive financial workings with a few other religious orders at the time. The result from this meeting was a half-decade partnership with the treasurers releasing millions of euros to Rossi for the sake of financial investment. Il Contico and luxury hotels in Kenya were built, and in their construction, huge sums of money vanished. End quote. Do you remember when Francis spoke about a poor, humble church? In November 2014, Francis said the following about the church needing to check itself and not be so prideful. What he says here is shameful, but it also contradicts what he is either allowing to happen or worse, is ordering to happen. From an article that appeared on the website asianews.it in November 2014, Francis tells us this. The signs were there about very early about what kind of pontificate we were in. From it, quote, when the church is humble, when the church is poor, even when the church confesses her wretchedness, we all experience this, then the church is faithful, endowed with the great virtue of not shining her own light, but that which comes from Jesus. This was Pope Francis's reflection during his homily at morning mass celebrated today at Casa Santa Marta, 
commenting on the passage of the gospel of the widow under Jesus's gaze, gives her only two coins in the temple treasury. I like to see the church in this figure, the church which is in a sense a widow because she is waiting for her bridegroom who will return, but has her bridegroom in the Eucharist and the word of God in the poor. Yes, but she is still waiting for his return. This is the attitude of the church. This widow was not important. The widow's name did not appear in the newspapers. No one knew her. She had no university degrees. Nothing. Nothing. She did not shine of her own light. This is what makes me see the church in the figure of this woman. The church must not shine on her own light, but the light that comes from her bridegroom. That comes right from her bridegroom. And over the centuries, when the church wanted to have her own light, she was wrong. End quote. Before anybody asks what was shameful there, it's when he says the church has over the centuries tried to shine and have her own light. Apparently, it's only Vatican II that really made the church not shine and have its own light anymore. I wonder what he's thinking there. And I also wonder where, where luxury hotels fit into this model of an impoverished church. Does a humble church force the closure of religious orders who are too Catholic and then profits off of their misery? One has to wonder. But this isn't all. Mary Cuff in her article shows that not only are the bishops in Rome profiting off of the closure of monasteries, they are pressuring surviving monasteries to send financial packages to Rome that the law does not permit. From the article, quote, Unfortunately, many more monasteries have folded under intense pressure, couched as holy obedience. In France, where Carbile led the recent symposium on monastic real estate, the French journalist Goulais Hebdo complained that the Vatican has attempted to pressure nuns to voluntarily gift assets that are not legally able to be claimed by the church according to French law. For instance, the contemplative poor Clares of Lourdes discovered via a local newspaper in 2016 that their buildings were getting sold off for the benefit of the diocese. They also teamed up with lawyers who have retained control of their monastery. Then there is the situation involving the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. Without wading into the issues surrounding the suppression of their order, it is important to note the troubling and constant insistence from Vatican officials that the order fork over $30 million in assets that a secular court had already ordered returned to its original lay owners. The investigation of the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate and its subsequent suppression was the first order of business undertaken by Carbile when he took his job as the Secretary of Religious Life. Being a male religious order, the friars were not officially subject to the financial rules Carbile created for female monastic property and court orans. However, there are rumors that a male version of that document is coming down the pike. End quote. And if that does happen, I'll bring that to you pretty much as soon as it happens. There's a lot more to this article than I actually shared. It would have actually been surprising if we hadn't come to this sort of wickedness out of the current crop of men running the church. If you want to read the article for yourself, it's linked in today's show notes at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. Simply look for the post with today's episode title and you'll find it in the post there. None of this is that surprising. Where there's corruption in an organization, you nearly always find two things of a lack of living chastely in accordance with one's state and life, and material concerns, meaning money. Those always seem to go hand in hand. Like McCarrick's dealings, which usually focus on the demonically impure, there was also a serious financial situation as well that is often overlooked. Very little changes in Rome these days, especially since the laity never put pressure on Rome to change. So what do you think about this story, though? But let me know what you think about the Vatican essentially pillaging monasteries like Henry VIII did in the Reformation in the comments, please. Is this to be expected? Do monks and nuns affected by this deserve what they've gotten for not submitting to the demonic spirit of Vatican II? I throw that one out there because I know there's always a few dissenters in the comments. Should we expect more of this? 
Should we shut up and submit to this band of misfits running the church these days? Are they even Catholic? Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.